Good morning, and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. What are we doing today, Karen? Mirror, touch, synesthesia. It's a hyphenated yes. word, mm-hmm. and then a separate word. Yes. So mirror, touch goes together. And synesthesia. Yes. So can you break that down for listeners then? Yeah. Well, I can give you kind of a definition of it, if that's what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like what the whole thing together means. And I don't really understand reading the definition exactly how they got that. But I think I do. Mirror meaning that you're looking at something or that it's a reflection back. Two things are the same. Okay. So when you look in the mirror, you're looking at yourself. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Touch, meaning that you feel it. And synesthesia. So putting it all together, it is a condition Or, I don't know, it's just a way that you live your life, actually. Where when somebody else is feeling something, say they have a cut. Say, you know, they slice their finger. That the person with mere touch synesthesia feels the cut. So your experience is being mirrored in my body. That's correct. Okay. And the brain actually registers it. As pain. The brain actually, if you scan it, oh, Parker's really verbal, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, where if you do a, a CAT scan or an MRI, it's actually proven that the person with mirror touch synesthesia actually can register that in the brain. So their brain then sends messages out to the body, to the body parts, uh, to replicate what the other person is feeling. I find this really interesting because we know our <coughs> dog has it and he's on the floor being extremely vocal. Uh, I find this really interesting and I want to bring up maybe some really drastic points immediately so that people can kind of, I don't want to say have that wow factor, but have that jaw drop moment to Mm -hmm. examine their own life or their partners or their child's or their parents where what you've just said, think about if you have cancer Mm -hmm. and you aren't taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and I'm not labeling what taking care of yourself means uh, because there will be different approaches to how people choose to do that, but Think about conditions like bipolar. Depression. Depression, yeah. All kinds, alcoholism. Mm-hmm. A backache. Where someone in the household who has mere touch th- synesthesia is r- literally registering that in their brain and their body is reacting accordingly mm-hmm. as though it is happening to them. And then we turn around to partners or parents or children and say, this is my problem, not yours. This is for me to deal with, not you. Yeah. All the while, this other person is having a full, real experience. Mm-hmm. And this is different than empathy. Some people confuse it with being empathic, and it's not the same. And if you have synesthesia, you know it's not the same. So it's not the same thing as in the sense of uh, if you're empathic and somebody, say Joan, and her, her husband dies... You're empathic and you're Barb. So with your empathy, you can feel for Joan. You can be upset with her. You can understand how she feels. So your brain pulls out memories to understand what you had a similar experience that could be like that. Or you try to conjure up what that could be like to lose somebody. And in your empathy, you feel with them. With synesthesia, it's different. You don't have to know Mm -hmm. you don't have to know that that person is going through something. 
it's not just an intuitive well this gets a little bit messy because yep. it's all intuitive empathy is intuitive synesthesia is intuitive one is just at a higher level than the other right. one registers in the brain in a different way than empathy how well maybe that's splitting hairs however there is a difference but also similarities mm-hmm. okay so i thought we would talk about it today because we both have it Mm-hmm. We both have mirror touch synesthesia. So I just thought, do we want to call it MTS for short? Can we do that? Because it's such a lot to say. Sure. I would also not like to refer to it as a condition. Yeah, <laughs> because it's a gift. And I don't know, you know, some people are going to hear the show and hear what we live with and what we go through and think it's also a burden. Yeah, I think it's a gift when you know what to do with it. I think when there's uh, an intelligence and a, and a desire to educate your own self, about how to handle it and how to interact with others in order to be okay in your body as you're experiencing these different things, then it can be a wonderful gift. That's key because one of those, one of those things that's required is a higher level of emotional intelligence because you, and a level of awareness of what you feel and what you think. So you have to get very much in touch with what you know about yourself Yeah. And I, you know, I liken this to when we're channeling and you might say, nope, that's not the same thing. But when we're channeling, I'll be sitting in the chair and I'll burp. And I will say every single time to the client, that's mine, not yours. And some of them will say, that's funny. Why would you even say that? Of course you burped. It's yours. Mm -hmm. Well, because sometimes I'm channeling someone who had extreme gas issues and this is the way it came out. Yeah. And so I'm being very clear about what's mine and what belongs to the other person. Okay, so sometimes I'll say to people after I've burped, I'm not apologizing that those weren't my burps. That w- those were your dad's burps. He had a gastric issue. That's not my problem. <laughs> and they will look at me and go, "That's true." Mm-hmm. And I'll say, "So I'm not apologizing." Because that one wasn't mine. <laughs> it's true. But but I think It's my way of really differentiating the synesthesia, saying what's mine and what isn't mine. Mm -hmm. And and yes, my body is responding to the point where I'm burping. Oh, Kelly, can I give another example of it? Mm -hmm. One popped into my head. And I think I said this on a podcast show. But I remember one day, just before a client arrived, I had wicked stomach cramps. Oh, yes. And I went, well, this has happened a few times, so. But I went running upstairs into the bathroom, and I could not get off the toilet. Oh, my God, it was explosive. Cramping, um, diarrhea, everything. It was just terrible. And that's, those aren't my bowels. So first of all, I know that's not my body, because those aren't, that, those aren't my bowel movements. So I know myself enough to know that I don't have that type of issue unless I'm ill. I find this interesting, not in a funny way, but it might come out that way. When people say, what do you mean you look at your poop? And I, and I say, well, what do you mean you don't? Yes. I look at my poop every single day. Oh, yes. And I'm pissed when the toilet paper covers it because yeah. I need to get a better look <laughs> to make sure I'm eating okay or I'm not yeah. I'm not overhydrating or underhydrating. Yeah. Maybe we can refer people to the book Gut by Julia Enders so that they can check out a poo chart that we're talking about. I've even looked to the point where I've gone, oh, 
there's red pepper in my poo. I still can't digest that. Yeah. Good to know. Or you look at your poo and you see that it's it's floating and there's too many oils in the body. Or like you have to be able to look at it. And that's where Julia really describes different bowel movements. She has mm-hmm. a chart in her book so that people can understand what's lacking in the diet or what there's too much of in your diet. Mm-hmm. Can I, do I keep going with the story yeah, or do absolutely. you want to, okay. So I remember, bowels, go ahead. Yeah. So I was sitting on the toilet and I just remembered thinking I can't get up and, and there was cramping through my back area. It would go up into my right shoulder or whatever. Car pulls into the driveway and I just remembered looking cause the bathroom faces oh, the driveway. Oh, it's sheer panic for you and I. Oh yeah. I looked down into the driveway and I was like, oh my God, stay in your car. Don't get out of your car. I can't get off the toilet. So the person was pulling into the driveway, parks the car, and I'm like, stay the hell in your car. Which means we can't get to the door. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was the only one in the house. So, anyway, a few minutes went by and the person sat in their vehicle. They were waiting right till their appointment time to ring the doorbell. And thank God, I was able to finish. I was able to clean myself up, wash my hands, get down to the door. I whipped the door open right before she could ring the bell. And I went, please tell me you have colitis. Oh. And she went, what? And I said, oh, sorry. Hi, I'm Karen. (laughs) You are at the right house. You're looking for Karen. And she goes, why would you ask me if I have colitis? And I said, because I couldn't get off the toilet. And she went, I do. And I need the toilet. Good luck. And i that's what I said to her. I said, it's all yours, but I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she goes, what do you mean? I said, I had all of your symptoms. I just got off the toilet with wicked cramping and diarrhea right up to my right shoulder. And she was like, oh my God, that's me. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, have at it in the washroom. <laughs> it's all yours. Mm-hmm. Come on down into the treatment room when you're done. We need to get to work on, on your colitis and the issues behind it. Yeah. So... That's mere touch synesthesia, Mm -hmm. where my brain actually responds in my body. And that's the difference between that and empathy. Mm -hmm. Empathy is where you could feel for the person and say, oh, I'm sorry that you have a sore stomach. I feel for you. I might know what it's like Mm -hmm. to have one. I think you said it really well when you said you you bring up memories to draw your own parallel, because it really is, you're making it about you. Right. Right. In, in a past situation, not in the present. Yes. And, and it's right to the point, And that's why I thought the show would be great. Barker's just decided to be a part of the whole show. He's chewing his bone. Is We're going to keep going. Okay. Mirror touch synesthesia is actually where your body responds. So the brain sends the message and I'm literally in the washroom with the response. Oh, yes. I have this when I'm around people who have um, drank too much. Go ahead, Kelly. I think this is a really important one to say. Yeah. And and I and I'm going to interject a few times because sometimes friends, family members, strangers who have someone with um, mere touch synesthesia in their life don't understand exactly how much it affects us. Mm-hmm. And that's why the show is very important for both us and our clients and our family and friends, but other people as well. So go right ahead and explain the whole one about alcohol. Yeah, I, uh, when I stand next to someone who's drank too much, I'm dizzy mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm falling over mm-hmm. and I lose my balance and I do, I bump into things. My depth perception is off um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm coordinated. 
I'm, I've been an athlete my whole life. I know kinesthetically where I am in space at all times. Uh, well, for the love of God, you time travel. Yeah, thanks. And I'm, I'm completely dizzy when I'm standing next to someone who is drunk. And I have a hard time. I need to sit down. And then on top of that, whenever the night ends, and the night doesn't end when I choose for it to end, I can put myself to bed. I can excuse myself. But I wake up through the night with a sick stomach, with the mm-hmm. dryness in my throat of mm-hmm. having had alcohol in my cheeks. And then I also wake up with that stickiness on the tongue. And I also wake up with extreme diarrhea, mm-hmm. like, I've, like I've had a hangover poo. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. It's the reason I choose not to drink, because I don't like the way my body reacts. I can't, I know I'm allergic to it. And yet it's not escapable mm-hmm. when the other people around me choose to behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Remember the client who showed up on a Saturday morning, booked on a Friday afternoon, and in an absolute emergency, she told me, came on a Saturday morning and walked into the front door and said, I'm still drunk. And drank herself all the way through the night, slept maybe two hours and showed up drunk. Mm -hmm. And I said, I will not be treating you today. You can sit in your car, don't come into my house, and wait for the person who's going to have a treatment here. I know she can't drive because she's drunk. Mm -hmm. But I said, this is not going to be okay to have a treatment today. And she said, well, why the hell not? Nobody told me I couldn't come here drunk. There's so many things wrong Could with that. Could you imagine the disclaimers we'd have to have <laughs> if people just didn't assume they couldn't show up yeah. in different states? And there's a difference between when a person shows up drunk and other people who are listening to this thinking, well, I have MS, maybe I can't go either. There's a big difference. When somebody comes with something like MS or cancer or they've had a heart attack or they have a brain injury or they have anxiety or depression... We still pick up on all of their stuff. We still know exactly what it is, what they're feeling, the symptoms, what's caused it. Mm-hmm. And that's a key thing. That's something else I want to get to with mirror touch is that you and I don't just have the gift of actually feeling it, the mirror touch. We have the ability to speak to the spirit world to know what's causing some of the things that they're experiencing. I would like to note that we have done several successful sessions for people who are high Mm -hmm. on marijuana for medicinal purposes Yep, because they're here for pain. They're here to understand why their brains can't function properly. Mm -hmm. And the marijuana allows them an opportunity to get to a place of calm or a place of less pain. Right. Where they can actually think clearly. Yes. And so while they're on this dose... That works for them to still function properly we can actually still achieve a lot in a session yes so it's right. not and I, I think as soon as you said oh if I'm on if I have MS can I not come then absolutely not that's not what we're saying we're saying that we're working with you with the disease or with the illness to allow you to come to a place of understanding of how it manifested and what you can do for yourself to move forward and heal that's always the intention with the gifts the problem with self-medicating if it's to the point of not being conscious uh not just about 
being asleep, but I mean about your own choices and about numbing, numbing mental pain, mm-hmm. not numbing physical pain, but the mental pain and the emotional blockage that you want to avoid. That's a different situation. I've had a lot of clients come in and or call or Skype or FaceTime where at the very beginning of the session, I, I get a feeling and, and now all of these feelings we're going to have to try and explain, but, but I can't. I don't know how to explain all of them, but I, I get a feeling in the front part of my forehead. So I, if I have to find a place in my head, I can say it's at the front. And I get a certain feeling I'm, and I have to classify them. So if I call this one A or pink, I, d- I don't know how to word this for people, but it simply means for me that my spirit guides say to me they're medicated. They're on antidepressants. Mm. And it's like, oh, thank you. So I get a combination of things. I have the mirror touch synesthesia where I feel that they're on medication, they're on antidepressants. But then I also have the spirit guide say to me, this is an antidepressant. So I have a combination of things helping me to identify. Then it goes away instantly and I'm able to get in there and start helping. Mm -hmm. Then I can say to their spirit guides, why are they on antidepressants? What what instigated this? And it might be um, she had a loss. Um, her dad passed away. Um, she might be 13 years old and the doctor says she needs antidepressants because her dad passed away. And or, or whatever it is, she has OCD and some another medical doctor or psychiatrist thinks that for OCD, there's a certain medication. So... The spirit world can then say to me, this is the reason. And then I get to say to the client, I'm being told it's OCD. I'm being told that it's a psychiatrist that gave you the antidepressant. Is this all correct? So it is verified. It, it is affirmed that the mere touch synesthesia and what the guides are saying to me are both accurate things. And I think what you've just talked about is what I was trying to say when I didn't want to call it a condition, because when you know what to do with it, which is what the guides are helping us do with the rest of the gifts, then the mere touch synesthesia, and we haven't even used the short form yet, um, (laughs) allows us to do our job better, allows us to do the whole job better Mm -hmm. because it doesn't linger. It doesn't stay with us in a client setting you're talking about because we they're here for an intention to move forward as opposed to being in social situations which we talked about where the mirror touch synesthesia doesn't go away you don't get to choose when it pops up and when it doesn't so if you're not around a person or an individual for the intention for a treatment I have no right to walk up to someone at a party and say here you're on antidepressants and I hear this is why is that correct and so I never get to have and I say I but I mean we or all of us if you're listening and you have it you don't get the relief to know where it that it actually sits with someone else you just keep experiencing it and if you don't know that it's mere touch synesthesia you can think you're going crazy people can think that you're a liar and contention Yes, you can go into eMERGE, you can go into a doctor's office, keep thinking that you have problems, and maybe not ever actually getting it affirmed, because if you go to the chiropractor, remember one morning getting up, and thinking, I broke my left hip, I could, this was just a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and thinking, I cannot move, I remember standing in the bathroom trying to flat iron my hair in the mirror, and I could not get back into a standing position. My cell phone was sitting on the counter, because I was listening to music. 
and I picked it up and I called the chiropractor's office and said, Katrina, I feel like I can't, I broke my hip, I can't move. And I just, I said, I need an appointment. I need to get in right away. I don't know how to even to get into the car or what to do. And she said, well, we'll, we'll call you back. We'll see if we can get a cancellation or get you in. 20 minutes later, I was totally fine. At 10 o'clock that morning, that lady, it was a long distance appointment by phone. When I spoke to her and said, had you broken your left hip? This was your client? Yeah. And she said, yeah, how do you know I broke my left hip? I said, I could not move this morning. Oh, she says, I woke up this morning and I felt it flare up again. I said, would this be between 6.30 and 7 this morning? Yeah, yeah. How do you know that? And I said, well, that, and there's your accuracy. Because between 6.30 and 7 this morning, I couldn't go from a crouched position to a standing position in mm. my bathroom. So the synesthesia actually puts you into positions where you feel it that severely. Oh, yeah. And that's the difference between that and the empathy. Mm -hmm. The empathy is, is that you could feel it to a lesser degree or you could suspect it, or you know, you think something's wrong. So you pick up the phone and go, are you okay? Yeah. I have a feeling you're not okay. But mere touch synesthesia is, is you know, it's the left hip and it's broken. Yeah, yeah or, more of an inner knowing, I guess, with the empathy. Yeah. And there is a physical experience of it. Yes. Yeah. I was at a family reunion um, a couple weekends ago, sitting around, very calm, very enjoyable environment. And all of a sudden, I felt like my right foot has had been broken. Oh, yeah. And I was in so much pain. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I, I could have sworn I was just breaking my right foot by sitting. And I wasn't, I wasn't on it. It was just it was inexplicable to me. And this dog ran up to me, someone else's dog, and sat at my feet, put its head between my, like, between my knees. And I just kept petting her. And I thought, oh, good, she's here to love me. <laughs> She's here to love me. She knows I'm I'm struggling. And so I got down on the floor to keep petting her. Her name's Charlotte. And uh, I don't have to keep identity of dogs, do I? <laughs> her name's Charlotte. And she... She didn't sign consent. No. <laughs> Nor did her parents. Um, so I got down on the floor to kind of pet her some more. And she turned around and her butt was facing me. And I had this, this thought of she's going to shit all over me. And... I, I kind of got startled by my own yeah. inner voice and I thought, well, that's awful. I don't want that to happen. So I kind of pet her a couple more times and I sat back up in my seat and just thought, okay, I'm just going to breathe and do some energy healing on my foot. And then thank God, organically, the conversation came to the dog in the room and her owners said she's really struggling with her back right foot, which is the one that I thought was breaking in, on, on my body. And they just said she has a torn Achilles tendon and she's got problems in her in her back leg. And she's also reacting so severely to her medication that she is literally having diarrhea, explosive diarrhea at the drop of a hat anywhere at any time. I thought, well, fuck me. I'm in the dog's body. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, like, you know, we're hearing examples of people, people yeah. behaving and choosing a yeah. lifestyle and not taking care of themselves. But here's this poor little poor little puppy, sweet as can be just having a hard go and you know there's there's the entire what's it called mts experience yeah and and i i'm glad that you brought up about pets and that you that you talked ab about a dog because it, it it allows us to help people who have pets they're caring for 
oh my god, it just reminded me of something about a horse. So being able to help horses and all kinds of things and animals. Um, we did some shows, Kelly, uh, way back on, I think, I can't remember what the name of the show was, but it was where the horse had injury in, in uh, one of its hooves mm-hmm. and it was nerve. And our ability to feel it ourselves, our ability to know the difference between whether it's the nerve, a muscle, a bone, a tendon. And for me, uh, with with these gifts, and you can say how it is for you too, it comes as an inner knowing sometimes. Sometimes I have to feel it. And sometimes it's the spirit world that has to say to me, that's bone, nerve, and tendon. So there's clarity when I don't know. I hear it. They'll show it to me too. So sometimes I'll just look over the person's shoulder or just focus on something so that I can, well, that's funny. I don't even know what I'm focusing on. I just realized I said I'm focusing and it could be on a tree. <laughs> well, yeah, because you see the body no matter where you look. Yeah. You're doing a mental it, scan. Yeah. So I think my brain just goes into a mental focus. Someone else might think I'm staring at something. <laughs> Clients, she didn't look at me the whole time. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> But it allows me then to see it. But I like when the guides actually say it to me. So I'll actually hear it's a nerve issue. It's a central nervous system. I had a client two days ago who came in, sat down, and she said, I was told to come in here and sit down. And you and I hear this all the time now. And say nothing. And say nothing to you. I wish more people would say that to me. Yeah. I get stories still oh. and I interrupt and just say, please, yeah. please stop and ask me a question or let me do my thing. Yeah. So she, she said, just go. I was told not to tell you anything, just to sit here. And I said, well, I said, I have central nervous system and you had a car accident. And she said, yeah. Mm. And I said, and then you you had strokes and now you have seizures. And she oh said, gosh. yes. And I said, and it affected the left eye. And she said, Yes. And then I said, it goes down into your spine. And now you have these vertebrae that are compressed uh, or discs. And she said, that's correct. And I wrote them down on a piece of paper, which ones, so that she could have that affirmed with her doctor that that was correct. But the synesthesia allows me to feel it in my back. But the other gifts that the guides have given us allow me to see it as a scan in front of me. And they allow us to hear. So it's a combination of gifts. It's, that's why in the consent process, listing all of the gifts is so important to say to people. And when people come in and say, oh, no, go ahead. I'm just saying yes to everything. Oh, no, you're not. And I go, oh, no, you're not. You're going to hear the list of gifts. It's important to hear. And it's important for me to explain what those gifts are and how they work. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, oh, no, no, I've only got an hour and, and I don't want you to do that. And it's like, no. You have to go see other professionals and you have to sign consent forms and you have to sit down and go through process. You're going to do it here too. This isn't just dial a psychic or or pop into a psychic fair to see somebody at a table for 20 minutes or half an hour. You and I have a whole bunch of gifts. I Yesterday was a particularly like rough day with, with MTS and... I walked out the door and one of our neighbors that just moved in, she yells at me from across the driveway, are you the card reader? In my head, I'm thinking, I fucking wish. <laughs> Give I me wish a palm. it was all in a card <laughs> and it was just readable. And I, and I don't yeah. mean that. I don't actually wish that was the case, but it was just, a like I said, a very particularly physical day yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, Jesus, the people that just sit down and read cards must have it so easy. 
Um, but I know that's not true too. And I'm, I'm just making yeah. a general funny statement. Um, but no, there, there's so much more. And like you said, the consent process is such a necessary step so that people understand what they're consenting to. And, and I always tell people, you know, we go through the consent process and we specifically say, you know, are you comfortable with this modality individually? Yeah. That's and then right. what the boundary is around it. And I say to people, I'm also an empath, which means that I feel everything that you feel. And I can't ask for permission for it because it's going to happen anyway. Yeah, that's right. But I like to educate clients and I say this to them because with all the gifts, sometimes I am fortunate enough to just hear information and other times, and this is always my example, if I'm channeling someone who had died of an aneurysm, mm-hmm. sometimes I don't just hear it. I feel the explosion in my head. That's right. And it, it's wonderful when a client can understand what empathy is even if they can't get themselves to that point so they can sit in the chair have a little bit more patience and compassion and I say while I get my shit together because it really there's so much required of you to feel it then be able to articulate it and give it and understand what the meaning and the message is well if people have been listening to any of our prior shows on coffee with the sarlos they could have heard my anger in some of those sessions when I, when you and I repeated some of those stories where people heard my anger, when I would say something like, oh, he had a heart attack yeah. and I feel the heart attack. I need a minute. And they look, would look at me and go, I have an hour. Hurry up. What else have you got? Come on, let's go. And they would hear my anger when I would say yeah. that I was being treated that way. So it is important because it does mean that there is more accuracy to what we do Mm -hmm. because we feel it and I think too Kelly it's also helped me catch people in their lies yeah so if somebody says well no he didn't have a heart attack or no I don't have anxiety and I'm having anxiety through the roof and then my and then maybe my left hip starts to hurt my left IT band and I say well do you have left IT band pain and oh yes I tore my IT band well then your anxiety is worse than you're saying well, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe I just didn't want you to know. And some people are mean, are mean about it. Mm. They think they, they, they want to disprove us. They want to say it isn't scientific. And yet it is. I just said it's being able to be if, if people are looking for proof through a, a machine. It's being it, it is proven that mere touch synesthesia is in our bodies It it does register in our brain because of the proof through the MRI that it does register but it's um you're you're saying it today in a much kinder way and I like it I'm just referencing back that people can hear over the years how hard it's been for the two of us to live with this on our own Mm -hmm. but how difficult it's also been to educate other people about what we have Mm -hmm. and those aren't just our clients those are the friends those are family members that think they that they think they know us and if they don't know that part of us or they didn't believe it was real they think we we lied or that we were trying to get attention or that we were trying to avoid going to things or that we just didn't like family or that we were just trying well, to that be last difficult part's not entirely not true <laughs> oh, i understand <laughs> But that we like for a number of things that we just aren't sociable. I've got so many friends that say, oh, you need to get out. You need to get out. Out is terrifying. Yeah. At the end of working six days doing this, uh, a girlfriend can call and say, you need to socialize. Why don't you come out to the bar tonight? And it's just like, are you kidding me? 
after six days of having eight to nine clients a day and then dreaming this all night, you think my downtime is to go into a bar where everyone's drunk or drinking? No, it's not. It's going into nature. It's going for a walk. It, it, they're going to a barbecue with, with, with people that, you know, maybe are having a drink, but not necessarily drunk. Right. There's a difference. Yeah. There are lovely, going to the farmer's market. I can think of just a million lovely things to do, especially in North Bay. Mm-hmm. There, there are just so many nature-based things to do in this city. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, I um, had a really nice experience, and I know I had shared it with you. I was uh, volunteering at the Artisans Market that just mm-hmm. happened last weekend, actually. Yeah. And it was my first time ever going, and I think it was the third time ever actually being presented in the city. And I was working a booth with Eric, and just, like, I wasn't there to socialize. I was there to help out with a business. Mm-hmm. But I just, I said to you, the type of people that show up at an Artisans Market or, or Farmer's Markets... They're community-minded people. Yeah. They are. They walk up to your booth, and even if they're not into what you do, they're so excited for you. Yeah. And there's just such an energy and an intention to support, yeah. an intention to congratulate and to be to be grateful for you. Yeah. That's my type of socializing. Yeah, I see that. I didn't have to make a friend. I don't have any dates, you know, with with new friends to go out after this. It was just so nice to interact with people who made time in their day to appreciate someone's craft, made time to appreciate uh, someone's uh, someone else's time. Yeah. And I just walked away feeling, I mean, exhausted from being under the sun, but a perfect summer day where you just had kind people, sun, and crafts everywhere. You're talking about a synergy. Yes. You're, to me, you're talking about a level of intention. Yeah. A level of intelligence among those people, emotional intelligence as well. Yeah. You're talking about entrepreneurs, and I think there's certain qualities in a lot of entrepreneurs where they find a passion, Mm -hmm. where they work super hard at something that they love, and then they turn around and they want to share it with other people. Yes. They want to make a living. It's, and I can, you know, somebody might be listening to this and saying, but that's also a farmer. That's also other professions. It's not just entrepreneurs. It's all kinds, it's, it's anywhere that people who are connected enough to themselves. Oh, I like that. Truly connect to other people. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And that there's a kindness. There, there, there's um, that energy in there comes with kindness, comes with love mm-hmm. for themselves first because they loved what they do. Yeah. And it makes me think of one particular person. I don't know her. She walked by the coffee booth that we were doing and she w- I said hi because, you know, you're greeting everyone that's kind of walking by and you want them to feel welcome to come in. And she goes, oh, hello, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'm so glad to see you guys here. Yeah. She didn't know us. It was just so nice to see a vendor here starting out and, and trying. Well, and that's where that energy comes from when you're so happy about your own life and you're so happy. And I don't mean it's perfect. I don't mean they don't have their struggles Mm -hmm. or that they don't have their own physical pain or their own marital issue or, or, you know, just shit that's happening in life. Everybody does. But that you, you are so in touch with yourself and what you're doing that there is a calmness in you. That yeah. even in the shit storms, there is a calmness. And there's still an energy to be able to extend yourself. That's right. You have enough energy left over to give to others. 
you're not and you haven't energetically hemorrhaged so much for other people that you truly can give with the right intention it's not the people pleasing it's genuine mm -hmm. because you care for yourself so we were talking about mirror touch synesthesia <laughs> Yeah, where did where what was the intention with that? Today? Oh, I don't know. I don't even remember. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. What did you ask again? Just what the in, you you pick the topics the majority of the time. So I was just wondering yeah. what the intention was with I, bringing that up. The intention to educate, mm -hmm. uh, to give vocabulary, mm. to be able to well, and that's part of education is the vocabulary to allow people to hear in a conversation how much they are loved in the sessions with you and I. Mm -hmm at the medium events at the Hampton Inn, how much they are truly cared for because people are hearing that we actually share their pain. Mm -hmm. This isn't just, I feel for you empathically, which is a bonus right there when people are being empathic with you in your life and what you're going through. But to be with somebody who has mirror touch synesthesia brings it to an entirely different level. Mm -hmm. In a personal relationship as our clients, business relationships, friendships, partnerships of all kinds, loving them. It's on different levels. And I'm not saying, no, no, I'm going to say it in a positive way. When somebody comes in here and has depression, or anxiety, or grief, or a physical pain in the body, that other people don't acknowledge, mm -hmm. or don't believe, or they can't get proof scientifically for and then they sit down in front of us and we say your right knee hurts and they go yes and you can't sleep at night because of it and you feel you can't work anymore because of it yes but they can't get any medical proof of the pain they can't get the leave from work but they're stuck in a situation or a nightmare that they don't have any options out of and they feel helpless and then, I mean, there's a million different reasons we as human beings can feel helpless. Oh, yes. To have somebody with mirror touch synesthesia say, without them telling us, that we feel their pain where we know where it is, it isn't like a doctor saying we found it on a scan. Mm -hmm. It is entirely different because we can say without the scan, which is even better, we are acknowledging you. We see you. We hear you. We feel you we understand you. There's a complete different feeling when you're acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And what you're going through is validated. And that you're reminded that you're loved. Yes, I know you went through the list um, yeah. of all the important things. But like you said, you are loved when you sit down in that chair, you are believed. And you are also recognized as someone who has taken half an hour or an hour to sit down and give something to yourself. We understand that our services are considered a luxury in North America because it's not put above people's priorities, above nails, above hair, above certain things. People treat us as though we are a luxury. Mm -hmm. But when you sit down in our chair, we understand that we are a gift that you're giving yourself. That's right. To come to a place of understanding, to give yourself a vocabulary of what you're experiencing, and to choose to do better when you leave. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting that that's a luxury. Oh, yes. 
in talking s- to your soul. I had one woman yesterday. She sat down and she said, well, I lost my mother, my father, my brother, and my sister. And I was just wondering if you could talk to one of them. And I said, well, that's great. And that's dandy. And we'll get to it. But your soul is standing in front of them going, me first. And she goes, well, okay then. (laughs) I guess me first. Yeah. And just there's her whole life is never me first. Right. right? So even to the point that when they're all passed over and dead, she's still saying them first. Exactly. And so I think it really clicked in that moment that this was the first time she was giving herself time to sit with herself. Yeah. And it was it was a beautiful moment to share. I really appreciate being a part of that journey with people. Yeah. Because there's patience in it. There's kindness in it. And they're often the things that we don't give to ourselves and we don't demand of the people around us anymore. Well, and as you and I both know, and our clients know, it also can be an ass kicking. And um, oh, always. sometimes part of the ass kicking is acknowledging their own physical pain. Some people put off all of their own physical pain. I remember a gentleman who passed in his sleep from a heart attack who had known that he was having chest pain for weeks and never went to his physician, never went to an eMERGE, didn't do anything, but simply kept putting it off to take care of his business, to take care of his kids, to keep taking care of other people. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even to the point where taking care of other people was driving his kids to a soccer game. Yeah. Instead of going to an eMERGE and saying something was wrong. It was right to the point of, no, I have to go to a soccer game. Her game... And taking that, that meant taking care of his daughter was more important. Now, the daughter sitting in front of me in an absolute rage that her dad went to a soccer game for her instead of a merge. And she no longer has a dad because he went to a freaking soccer game. Boy, won't that hit hard with some people. Yeah. And it should. It, 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 yes, absolutely. It should. Because it really says where we put priorities But it also can say sometimes to the children that um, their temper tantrums about wanting certain things and stressing parents to that point where they think that they need to parent that kind of way. Like there's responsibility in both places here. Absolutely. A A parent has to be responsible enough to say to a child, my health is more important than your soccer game. And a child has to be able to say at a certain reasonable age, that I can't keep having temper tantrums to get my way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, the point earlier to this was simply that with mere touch synesthesia, you feel exactly what that person is feeling. So feeling their chest pain. Mm-hmm. And that for the people that are still alive, it's important for them to sit here or by Skype or FaceTime or on the telephone and talking to us and know that that pain is something that they actually have to address. Yeah. That, that's a really big thing, especially for the spouses that are going, oh, for the love of God, if I don't have mere touch synesthesia, how am I ever going to get to my husband? How am I ever going to get my mother to listen to well, this or my dad? It explains why people avoid us. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it explains why we, we hear from so many people. I've heard your name for four years and I'm, I'm here now. Oh, like yeah. It took, them, it took them that long to deal or to cope with or to accept yeah, we, we want to avoid the things that, that we think cause us pain mm-hmm. or will cause us more pain. Mm-hmm. Are we good today? Yeah. Like, I think people are hearing lots of things about mirror touch synesthesia today, too, in how, how detailed it is, um, how real it is. And, you know, 
for the people that need the proof scientifically, it, it sits in each session. I don't need a doctor with DR or MD at the end of their name or PhD to tell me I have mirror touch synesthesia. I prove it over and over again, as I know you do, minute by minute at the grocery store, at the Capitol Center, walking in. Remember the story of the hemorrhoids? Yes. People can listen to over 100 podcast shows now and find mirror touch synesthesia in each show. Mm-hmm. We can find mirror touch in each treatment. And, you know, I, I we are asked often, eh, Kelly, if it's any different whether the person is in the same room as us or not or if it's by telephone, Skype, or FaceTime. And that's one of the reasons we say there's no difference mm-hmm. because with mirror touch synesthesia... You can be dead. Yes, you can be dead. Your animal could be dead. It could be a dead cat that's that had a sore back or had a bowel erupt. And, and we can say the cat had a bowel erupt because yeah. we feel it in our own bowel. We don't need the person to be in North Bay, Ontario, Canada, or North America. Or Earth. Or Earth. <laughs> it's important for people to hear that being in the room with us or by telephone or by Skype or by hospital or in a classroom or sitting in their car, it makes no difference where they are. Mere touch synesthesia knocks down all barriers. Excellent. Good? Yeah. All right. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at And Karen, thank you. Oh, thank you too. I mean, if anybody, you know, listen to this show and understands what we've gone through, it's also required a hell of a lot of work of self-awareness. Uh, reading things, all kinds of stuff. So we, we're, we're excited to share it with you. And we hope you have a great day.